Welcome to the latest episode of COVID-19 Business in Focus, where we explore the business impacts of coronavirus. I'm Rowena Morris, a director at PwC, and I'm your host for this series. The lockdown has transformed the working lives of people across the UK, but on Sunday, 10th of May, the Prime Minister announced these measures are gradually being lifted. So over the coming weeks, many businesses will be preparing to support their employees as they return to the workplace, if it's appropriate for them to do so. In this episode, we'll explore the challenges businesses have been facing as they adjust to new ways of working. And as the country gradually comes out of lockdown, we'll take a look at how businesses can address some of the issues that might arise. I'm delighted to be joined today by Chris Box and Nicola Shield. Chris is our EMEA HR Consulting Lead here at BWC, and Nicola is our Lead for Governance, Risk, Compliance and Control. Chris, Nicola, welcome to our virtual studio. Hi, Rowena. Hi, Rowena. Thanks for having us. Thanks for joining us. So first of all, Nicola, to kick things off, if we reflect on the past few months, what challenges have businesses been facing as a result of the lockdown measures? Thanks, Rowena. So um, at first, the challenges were very much around reacting quickly to the crisis, um, and that involved responding to a, a number of issues. These are broadly um, obviously the cash and cost management. Uh, it was about assessing and managing supply chains and their suppliers, setting up new working environments. Obviously, we've all seen the, the number of people working from home. Uh, dealing with the changes in requirements from the government and new rules being implemented, um, and then also dealing with changes in customer needs and operations. So lots of different areas. I think it's I think it's fair to say we then moved into a stage two, which didn't necessarily run concurrently for organisations. But once we got through that initial firefighting that Nicola's just talked about, I think the, the key challenges that employers were really facing were around workforce well-being and making sure that they were connecting effectively with their employees uh, trying to get a grip on productivity we know the risks of trying to manage a workforce in a remote manner uh, can be challenging from a productivity perspective understanding really within the context of a change in business demands what are the skills that organizations really need to be able to fulfill their uh, requirements in the marketplace uh, then there's the very practical considerations around ensure, main, maintaining and ensuring that HR operations are still effective to support employee groups, um, as well as the continued focus on costs and changes that Nicola's already touched on. So a wide range of challenges and a number of competing priorities to tackle there that you've outlined. Um, Nicola, how have you seen businesses um, and leaders particularly respond to these issues? Well, actually, a large part of it has actually been around modelling to try and work out for each business what it means, um, because each business has got its own challenges. Overall, though, um, about 81% of businesses expected a decrease in revenues or profits, so obviously a massive impact. Um, that means that they then were looking at deferring or cancelling potential investments um, that they were going to do. And obviously, um, a number of businesses have been forced to lay off or furlough employees. All of them are dealing with some really significant changes, um, including some quite technical ones like switching production to new products, which is uh, quite a technical, detailed one to do. Others are actually trying to um, look for new opportunities and new channels. Um, a good one is the wholesale food suppliers going direct to customers. So they couldn't go to restaurants. Restaurants are closed. So now they're selling directly to customers. 
We've also seen also new changes to operations already being implemented um, to help with things like the social distancing measures. Um, and I'm sure we'll, we'll have all seen some of those in supermarkets. Yeah, I think, I think alongside that, if I just maybe add a couple of points, I think um, we've seen this sort of settling into new ways of working, working remotely. We did a, a, a short survey in early April and 80% of organisations were saying that they were um, confident that their IT infrastructure was holding up pretty well to facilitate remote working. Um, I was surprised it was that high, uh, but it seems that for many organisations, IT capabilities has stood up pretty well. Um, I think though the second thing that organisations are really starting to grapple with, and I've touched on this already, which is actually how do you maintain productivity, especially the longer that this goes on, um, how do we ensure that employees remain focused, engaged, and their well-being is protected in an environment where they're potentially working from home for a prolonged period of time? Um, having said that, um, obviously off the back of the uh, the announcement from the Prime Minister on on Sunday. Uh, we, we know that most employers have been for some time preparing for employees to prepare to, uh, return to work. Um, and we know there's a number of practical issues to, to work through in that regard. Um, obvious ones around ensuring that there um, is effective social distancing enabled in the office environment wherever possible. But also there's, there's more practical issues around getting employees to really um, have the confidence to return to the workplace. It does feel a little bit at the moment if there's some divergence between government policy and the overall uh, sentiment from employees and the, the population as a whole. And we obviously need to work as major employers to try and close that gap and give employees the confidence to return to the workplace in a, in a safe way, of course. So it's really helpful to think about it in those areas that you outlined. So one, recognising the need to manage costs two, settling into the new ways of working, and then three, preparing for the return to work. So following the Prime Minister's briefing on Sunday, we'll be seeing organisations move towards that third area, navigating the release from lockdown. Nicola, what challenges will organisations face as they prepare their return to the workplace? So what's really clear is that the release needs to be managed really slowly um, and the government's going to manage it in a really slow way to minimise the risk of a second peak. So that means that businesses need to plan carefully around that to manage it. Uh, this isn't going to be a short term um, back into normal business. Uh, it is going to be a longer, slower release. So the businesses are going to have to think about um, how can they best generate revenue over the next few months and what is a cost effective way of generating revenue? Um, they've got to think about have they got the right channels to market to meet the changes in consumer demand, um, as well as really um, assessing then how they're going to sequence and pace the ramp up to maximise productivity. Um, what we've also seen is some of the real challenges to the supply chain. So there needs to be a review of the supply chain and making sure their suppliers are ready and able to deliver and that distribution channels are, are, are returning to work as well. One of the balances is really around um, bringing people back to work. Many of them have been furloughed and therefore you need to consider when you're going to bring those people back and, and what makes sense, as I mentioned in that sequencing uh, and the ramp up. Lots of the questions, though, need to be around the health and safety of employees and also customers. Um, so 
businesses need to do a, a written risk assessment of working conditions for their staff, certainly businesses more, with more than five employees. And for those that have more than 50 employees, they need to be published on their website. So that's going to be a really important area to make sure those risk assessments are comprehensive and detailed. And also then that actually they, they're very clear of what controls or mitigants they can put in place or implement and how they're going to monitor those on an ongoing basis. The other area is really focusing on confidence. So making sure their workers are comfortable in returning to the workplace, particularly those that use public transport um, and seeing if those employees have another alternative. The other thing that the government announced was very much looking at local considerations. And we've seen that, that businesses really need to consider the unique considerations for each, each country they may be in, each city, each location, and, and even sites in that location. All buildings have slightly different variations, um, and therefore they need to be taken into account because you may need to adjust what businesses are doing in a different way. For example, we've seen the size of lifts could make a really big difference with how many people can get onto different floors at, at different times. Uh, and therefore making sure that you assess some of those really challenging areas properly um, and businesses putting in place uh, the relevant uh, sort of tape on the floor, et cetera, to make sure that things are, are properly implemented. But ultimately, a lot of it comes back to really detailed planning uh, and modelling around this. Yeah, so that point around unique considerations, really important there, especially as they become, as you say, different rules and considerations for different locations. And um, Chris, moving on to some practical advice now, do you have some advice for businesses that are starting to plan out their way out of lockdown? Yes, I think probably three or four key points to pick up on. I think the first is uh, the clarity of advice being given by employers. I think we've seen the clamour from the greater public um, to have clarity from the government in a very complex situation. We know many many aspects, it's impossible to give absolutely clear advice. However, I think employers need to do all they can to, to strive for that clarity because that will also support the, the confidence point that Nicola's already touched on. I, th I think secondly, I think it's also really important to, to ensure that the the underlying infrastructure in terms of employee uh, um, HR policies and procedures are clear and support things like social distancing. So, for example, assessing and reviewing and changing if required um, things like uh, working hours and creating clarity on that for employees will undoubtedly help from a confidence perspective, but also from the practical perspective of ensuring um, a greater ability to meet social distancing requirements. I think another consideration is to ensure from an organisational perspective, as the, the changing needs of customers um, are sort of realised through an organisation, what skills do you have within the organisation to meet those changing customer demands? Are there any um, excess levels of capability um, and what do you do about that? Um, but also, are there any gaps as we sort of hopefully turn our attention to economic, economic recovery? How well placed are organisations from a skills perspective? In, in order to meet increased demand in any one of a number of areas. Um, we've already touched on the importance of understanding employees' ability and willingness to return to the workplace. I'm sure that will ebb and flow over, over time as, um, as government advice um, is clarified and also as, as, we, as we see the, um, the progress of the virus itself. Um, those are probably, I think, Rowena, the key points that's worth just sort of thinking about from a practical perspective at the moment. 
Okay, thank you. And I think that clarity of message is really important. And even if it's a case of just talking about, here's what we're currently thinking about, even if you haven't got the full answers, I think that's really important to get right. And um, Nicola, I wonder if you could tell me a bit more about how we can plan for the release of lockdown measures. Yeah, of course. So a good start, obviously, is using the scenarios um, that the government said uh, and outlined on Sunday night, um, the sort of uh, what they think level one will look like, etc. And right going through to where they think that actually, hopefully, we will be able to have more releases then um, and more flexibility in July. And also then using some of the lessons from countries that are further ahead. Um, I think everyone needs to have a structured framework to consider all the areas that are impacted because it really is uh, across a whole business and then doing a risk assessment as the government has required, but also considering some of the benefits uh, and opportunities that there might be. So areas that we would expect to see include sort of the customer side. Um, there'll be some areas where an organization or a business could be ready, but actually the customer may not want them at this point in time. Um, then it's looking at suppliers and operations, as Chris said, the workforce and real estate and then technology, but obviously um, finances um, and what the impact may be. For each area, then you can get into a bit more detail, uh, such as for the workforce, like Chris said. Um, another area to get in more detail would be real estate. Uh, the government um, has issued a number of papers um, which outlines um, what each organisation in a particular circumstance uh, should consider and those organisations need to do a, a health and safety assessment, um, looking at what the current situation is in their buildings and what they need to do to change to then get ready for the safe arrival um, of anyone from the workforce. Um, there's a lot of preparation that needs to be done. You may need extra deep cleaning, reconsider your workplaces. Um, the government talked about removing hot desking. Um, key areas which can be really challenge challenging are establishing food and drink areas and new guidance around that. Uh, new rules about communal, communal areas, but also the government talked about providing potentially extra parking or bike racks uh, for people that are um, unable to commute or, or unable um, able to commute in a different way and not use public transport. So um, there'll be lots of issues uh, and new areas that will come up. Um, the other thing um, that will be really key is setting up a feedback loop um, from the uh, buildings and across the organization, collecting the information and being able to tailor um, and change things as new issues um, and things change. Um, and also then being able to adapt if the local COVID alert level changes, as I mentioned, they are looking at it locally, then you may actually need to change uh, certain parts of your business or a particular location. So you need to be able to build in a level of uh, flexibility and adaptability dependent on way, what may happen. One thing that's really important that you touched on is um, having that structured framework. Um, where you need to get a cross-functional team around that and, and working through that, as you say, and to be ready to adapt that. Um, one thing that came out on a, a previous podcast that we talked about is how we can include the wider workforce and bringing through those new ideas and really playing to the different opportunities that the new normal will present. So I thought that's a, another helpful, practical addition to your list. Um, so, of course, it's probably too early to say whether or not businesses' um, strategies have been completely successful. But, Nicola, building on those points you talked through, have you seen any organisations start to get this right over the past few weeks? I mean, there have been great examples where businesses have adapted really quickly. 
Um, and I, I think there are a number of opportunities out there in under these really difficult circumstances. Um, one that caught my eye was around the, some local gin distilleries that are actually now making hand sanitizer. Obviously, both those products are alcohol-based, but actually by switching production um, and also distribution chains, um, they've enabled then um, to produce more local hand sanitizer and been actually able to support their local community, um, uh, particularly by sharing the hand sanitizer with the NHS. Now, now going forward, that may need maybe a new channel for them um, to be able to sell to the wider public. So actually we'll support them certainly in the short to medium term uh, until things uh, progress and we get out of this um, crisis. Uh, and it reminded me of a quote that somebody said that actually it's not necessarily the strongest of the species that survives, nor the most intelligent, but it, it is the one that's most adaptable to change. Uh, and I think that's very apt in today's world. I think in, in addition, you know, we've seen lots of great examples of organisations adapting to support the, the local and broader community. And I think, you know, during this period of crisis, I think that many of us have taken comfort from that. Just to look at it in a slightly different, a slightly different perspective, um, I think many organisations are starting now, if they haven't already, to ask the question, what are some of the things that I've been trying to change for a long time? And in an appropriate way, um, does this create an opportunity to make that change? So, for example, with, with organisations who've got significant numbers of customers who have been heavily reliant on things like receiving paper statements in financial services or utilities, um, how, do we, how do we ensure that um, we can maybe take this opportunity to move people to a, to a more effective self-service model where they're not demanding or expecting paper statements and they can use technology to understand their own utility bills or their financial statements. Um, because we know at this point that the, the, a lot of the general public are more susceptible and more open to try and do things in a slightly different way in order to support organisations for the greater longer term. So I think it's worth obviously focusing very much on the sort of community aspects of it, but also asking those questions about what are those things we've been trying to do for some significant time? And there's now a time to actually try and make those changes um, in a significant way. Yeah, definitely the themes around using this as a, an opportunity to transform, but also really putting purpose at the heart of your business decisions has come out a lot through these um, episodes. So that's really interesting. And um, Chris, we've spoken a lot about how um, businesses are dealing with what's happening right now but looking ahead how should businesses start to prepare for the challenges that are around the corner i think if we could segment that into probably three key areas and i think we have touched on them already but just to sort of bring them out in as coherent a way as possible for three areas where we're, we're, we're supporting organizations in many ways are around properly understanding workforce demand secondly workforce supply and then thirdly, that overarching issue of productivity, particularly within the context of remote working. So if I look at the demand aspect of it, trying to really understand how the businesses have changed, what a new normal potentially looked like and how long term that is going to be. Um, and actually trying to then to map out, not just in terms of headcount, but also the skills that um, an organisation possesses um, and uh, has access to. Uh, to, to particularly, and I made this point a little bit earlier on, to particularly really understand um, how that then correlates with forecast economic recovery and, and future demand. So I think doing that scenario planning is absolutely critical for many, many reasons, primarily from an economic perspective, but also from the perspective of 
creating clarity in a, in a path for employees, which is obviously a critical element of ensuring their greater well-being. But that intrinsically links to supply. Um, we need to understand in the short term the extent to which the supply side of workforce is um, inhibited, um, not just from the direct impact of the, the, the virus itself and people being out of the workplace for a period of time, but also as many, many employees juggle extended commitments, whether it's um, childcare uh, as, as for, for as long as the schools are shut or potentially elderly care um, if, if the, uh, the older community uh, are in lockdown for an extended period of time. So trying to really understand what available talent um, an organisation has in, in, in the medium term. And then if I then turn that to a more positive conversation, I think one of the things that this is going to show to, to many, many employees is they can engage with a broader workforce um, who uh, are accessible, not just within the immediate uh, vicinity of what is deemed to be commutable. I know that the government talked a lot before COVID-19 about levelling up. And I think in many ways, as we come out of this crisis, we will see more narrative and conversation about levelling up. And I think this has actually opened, opened many people's eyes to the effectiveness of a more um, agile, flexible and remote based workforce. Having said all of that, I think there is evidence in the short term, at least, that, that, that productivity uh, has, been, has been affected and we're not surprised by that. But uh, one of the things that we need to work hard on and organisations need to work hard on is ensuring that technology stands up and we've touched on that already. But there are, but there are also effective mechanisms in place to ensure that employees can work in an effective way. And that could be a number of things, technology, we've touched on that. But also maybe there'll be some sort of revised model where there's hubs um, of locations where employees can gather to work in a way which means they don't have to necessarily go to their traditional workplace where they're often reliant on things like public transport, which we know are going to be a significant challenge in the short and potentially medium term. So hopefully a few things there for, for organisations to think about. I think there's also a point around leading teams in the virtual world. And I know that's one of the podcasts that we're looking to book in um, soon. So more on that to follow. Um, Nicola, around the world, some countries are starting to ease lockdown restrictions. So are there lessons to be learned from those businesses that have supported their workforces in starting to get back to work? Yes, well, based on what we've seen and discussing it with uh, a number of our colleagues from around the world, um, one of the key areas is confidence. So making sure that businesses give confidence to customers and employees that they're going to be safe both traveling to and in their stores or offices. Um, that's going to be really key. Um, and I think that, as Chris mentioned, uh, making sure that there's a, a clear uh, path, a clear scenario planning uh, in place so that um, all that both customers and their employees have that level of confidence. Um, and we've seen really strict rules and procedures implemented, um, ranging from, as, as you, everyone will have seen, I'm sure, on Sunday night uh, with the Prime Minister, some of the guidance around tape on the floor, restricting the number of people in confined spaces like lifts, um, uh, and um, making sure that hand sanitizers are available, those types of things. Um, and there is um, a number of those items are included in the checklist um, that the government have shared the additional guidance. Um, in some of the Asian countries, they've gone beyond some of those areas. And, and actually, in some businesses, they've gone beyond the sort of the minimum levels, as it were. So actually um, doing temperature checks 
um, for staff and employees. Um, and some of the UK businesses have been discussing those too. They're not actually a requirement, but actually it might may help with confidence levels. I think um, demonstrating compliance with the new guidance uh, with, for employees will be really important. So as, as you look to build confidence, making sure that risk assessments have been done really thoroughly. Um, obviously, the government have announced that actually for those that are, have more than 50 employees, they should be posted on the website. Um, so making sure the risk assessment's really clear, comprehensive um, and has actually been implemented. Um, and then also making sure from an ongoing perspective that actually um, what has been implemented is effective and actually works in practice. And there will probably need to be a feedback loop, actually, just to, to work out what some of the changes might need to be, for example, if there's a bottleneck around the lifts. So actually, I, I think there'll be a lot around confidence and so making sure people are confident that these things work and we won't then end up going towards a second peak. Um, I think, and that links into my next point, which is about going slow um, and having really clear risk-based decision-making and close monitoring. Um, we've seen from some of the other territories, those have really carefully assessed the risks and balanced that using a clear governance of risk framework have meant that their employees and customers actually have had a lot more confidence. Um, and it also means then as an organization, they've been able to be a lot clearer with the communication around what they're doing. So I, I think that has helped too. There are loads, so many different areas to consider. So I, I think you do need quite a, a structured framework. But one of the areas that I think is important is making sure there are local people to focus on identifying and following up some local nuances or issues that might come up. Um, because I think that will be important going forward to give people the confidence that at a local level too, there's someone they can talk to, raise concerns, um, and, and then if necessary, make adjustments. So that does mean that actually the risk management around this is going to need to uh, be quite dynamic um, and um, be a clear focus. The other one is very clear communication. Um, as Chris has previously mentioned, communication has been really important. And I think we will see, uh, see that going forward. Um, communication in terms of it being um, uh, very clear, very honest, um, and also making sure there's a feedback loop because people are concerned and we are going through a really, really difficult uh, human, very human um, challenge at this point in time. And the last one that Chris mentioned actually was about being flexible and using scenarios to help manage those risks um, and work out what you may need to do in different circumstances. So, um, and those things would be such as what are you going to do if your hand gel runs out? Are you going to close the office? What does it mean? What if someone becomes ill on site? What are you going to do? So just running through those scenarios to make sure that actually the employees and customers are really confident that you have planned for different scenarios um, and that you've communicated very clearly who is responsible for that uh, and what happens. So I think we will see probably over the next few weeks the ability to respond very quickly, listen to feedback and then respond to that feedback will be important. That's a really, really helpful summary. And it feels like that point around communication, clarity, consistency, a little bit around repetition of message is really important but then also having that local contact and that feedback loop as, as you say is going to be really really critical so to sum up both and maybe if i start with chris what's your top tips for businesses looking to protect their workforce 
Well, I'll pick up on that point of communication, first of all, but I think the overarching theme is around ensuring continued authentic leadership. I think we've seen lots of great examples throughout this crisis of leaders communicating, I think, in a much more real way. And that has really helped them to feel relevant and real to their broader employee workforce. You know, it's helped by the fact that people are doing it in many cases as a video conference from their home, which just makes it feel more real. So I think as we hopefully emerge from this crisis, I think making sure we hold on to that authentic leadership is absolutely critical. And as part of that, recognising that things are not going to be a linear process, uh, providing clarity to employees as far as, as far as possible. I think employers will be forgiven um, if the messaging changes uh, because everyone recognises that this isn't a, a simple um, U-shaped recovery. Um, but I think they won't be forgiven if they're seen to be hiding behind any messages. So I think that clarity of message is absolutely critical, number one. I think, secondly, um, properly understanding what skills are really going to drive an economic recovery from an organisation perspective, understanding whether uh, understanding where there's potential gaps in those skills, and then seeing where those skills can be accessed from. As we said, you know, there will be more of an appetite to engage skills from a from a wider um, fishing pond, if I can call it that. And I think that's going to really help employers potentially in the future, and give more opportunity to a greater segment of our population as well so i think it helps from a diversity perspective um, and thirdly i think um, thinking in a more innovative way we, we know that um, employees are going to be working remotely in many ways uh, many aspects for, for a prolonged period of time it could even be permanent for, for a greater segment of the population so employers need to work really hard to continue to engage using technology and other means in a more innovative and uh, effective way and just recognizing that there isn't one size fits all um we all want to be engaged in slightly different ways so thinking that through in a systematic way i think is really critical in terms of helping the workforce to be effective in the longer term from my perspective i think uh, detailed planning um, particularly um, a detailed risk assessment with clear decision making will be really key to then help bring back that level of confidence that people need I think the next one is uh, making sure it's really clear what happens at a local level. There will be changes locally, things will come up and making sure that problems are reported, resolved quickly, dealing with local challenges, I, I think will be important um, to do. The next one then is um, being adaptable. Uh, I know we all know there'll be a change. We're in completely new territory now. There may need to be adjustments, some things, uh, we might not get right. You might end up with a bottleneck by lifts and you may have to replan how people work, walk around the office, for example. But actually getting that feedback loop quickly in place um, and adapting to it so that actually you rethink your risks, you manage them in quite a dynamic way, I think will be really key. And, and the last point I would make is just reflect on society and the society needs at that point in time. I think the most successful businesses will be those that, that as Chris has mentioned, are very authentic, but also are aware what society is going through. And also because this is a real human challenge that we're going through. So making sure that businesses support, listen to society and society needs uh, and respond in a really authentic way to support people um, as we go through this crisis. Brilliant. Some great top tips there. Thank you so much, Chris and Nicola, for sharing your insights. And of course, thanks to everyone for listening. 
If you'd like to know more about the themes we explored in this episode, visit our website at pwc.co.uk forward slash COVID-19. Here you'll find our guide on managing a virtual workforce. Please subscribe too to keep up to date with all of our latest episodes. And until next time, please stay safe.